assets, only 17% of borrowers have access to money. What's called the berry button, the red button that I hit. Hey, remember that? Right? You know, oh yeah, I love it. All right, welcome back to another edition of Laugh, Lend, and Eat the Podcast. And we are joined today by a very high-flying group of loan officers. Uh, when I say they're high-flying, I just looked at their numbers, actually. And Jesus, the first quarter, they just knocked out of the park. So uh, I'm going to go around the horn here. Ladies first. We're going to go start off with Miss Lorena Collin in Tampa, Florida. How are you doing, Lorena? Good, thank you. Nice Good. to meet. Nice to, have to be here. Thank you so much. All right, and then we have Cash down there in Atlanta, Georgia, representing Atlanta, right? ATL in the house. That's right. <laughs> and I then got we, got, we got Big Papa, Tom Hobbs, out of Asheville, Kentucky, the unknown city. Where is Asheville, Kentucky, Big Papa? Tom, can you hear us? So I don't know if it's me or what, but I can't. It's frozen here. All right, we'll just hang tight. We'll try to fix the audio for you while, while we get started here, okay? Um, so we're going to just go around the horn a little bit, guys, because obviously this is a, a loan officer panel and there's a lot of loan officers that are dying to find out what you guys did. Because, I mean, look, you guys between collectively between all three of you guys, Q1, you guys did right about 160 units, all three of you guys collectively. Right. Which is a lot of business. I mean, when you really look at that, I mean, we're talking 450 to 500 units annualized. Um, how, I mean, so Lorraine, I'm going to start off with you ladies first again. I mean, what was your secret? I mean, was there something special? Was it, I mean, there's something going on in Tampa that we don't know about? It's really just hard work, uh, trying to look for the best for the customers. Um, and it's just trying to find the best solution. Uh, also trying to close fast and then serving the customer. I think that it brings you back referrals and a good worth of, uh, worth of mouth. So I just get more referrals from other realtors when they find out you're doing the right for the customer and you're trying to close as fast as you can. So when you say realtors, I mean, that's a, that's a good starting point there. I mean, are you able to capitalize on the purchase market more than, I mean, with, with the realtor base? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, right now it's so difficult to get a property and it's so difficult to actually win a contract. It's basic to have a good partner lender that is going to be able to deliver and close fast. So you can meet the terms of the board. Like that's basic because some of the sellers have uh, backup offers. And if you do not close on time, that means losing the property for the buyer. Right, right. Now, Cash, you're in Atlanta, which is a really aggressive market, right? I mean, there's some aggressive markets, but you guys are like right now. I mean, used to be Atlanta wasn't as aggressive, but now you guys are D.C. Metro, Orange County, California. You know, Atlanta is right up there, Chicago, right? So a few markets like that, I mean, how are you able to compete in a such an aggressive market like that? No, I think it's, um, you know, it's all about building relationships and partnerships with your realtor partners and stuff like that. Uh, one of the biggest advantages that we're seeing is um, when we pre-qualify our borrowers up front, we're getting all the proper documentation to make the entire loan process as smooth and as easy as possible. So when I'm giving out a letter to my agents, uh, they feel confident putting zero financing, zero appraisal, hmm. um, you know, and then having due diligence of seven days. And my team is going in and out of making sure that the appraisals are ordered and back before the due diligence even ends to make sure that, you know, the clients are comfortable and ready to move forward on that property. So um, 
So it's hey, a lot hey, about trust, hey, I would say. Hang on, Cash, uh, let me know. get this straight. You're putting in like no appraisal contingencies. Is that what you're saying? That's right. To win a house on, in today's market, zero <laughs> appraisal contingency days, zero financing. And, um, and you know, some of our bars are even willing to say, I am okay to pay this amount of dollars, even if, my, if the appraisal comes in lower. You wow. know, so uh, we're going all out to make sure that our borrowers, you know, um, get the property that they want. You know, this is their dream home and we're helping them get it. So. All right. Tom, I don't know about how you're doing with the technical difficulties. Hopefully you can hear or talk to us or something. Um, looks like uh, he's coming back into the room as, a, as Tom Hobbs this time. I don't know. We'll figure this out. <laughs> I'll go work out. Um, I've been waiting for this my whole life, and I don't know what happened. I thought it was it's everybody. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. We're going to work with you. Don't worry. Don't chill. Don't freak. Hey, so, Tom, let me ask you. I mean, you're in Ashland, Kentucky, right, which is like yes. nowhere land, right? And yet you, I mean, were the top producer for Q1 for first option mortgage, right? Yes, sir. Out of nowhere, you, you, you blindsided everybody. You came in, did your big papa move and, and slam dunked it. How are you? I mean, I didn't even know there was 57 houses in Ashland, Kentucky. I mean. Now, come on now. I mean, <laughs> you guys make fun of Kentucky, the greatest state in the nation all the time. No, we don't make fun of it. We're just trying to figure out what's your secret sauce down there. I mean, that's like one of the uh, unknown cities that no one's talking about. Tom, we're going to have difficulties hearing you during this. I mean, Ashland is a small town. Tom? Well, we may have just lost Tom. I'm not sure. He may have to come back as another name this time. Lorraine, let me ask you a question. Um, how, how long have you been doing mortgages now? I know, you know, you and I actually had a conversation two years ago when you were on a panel in Orlando, and I was lucky enough to be moderating that. But I can't remember, how long have you been in the business now? 15 years. 15, and Cash, you've been in the business 15 years. Yes, that's right, yeah. So both of you guys have been in the 15 years. Um, what, there change, we go. what changes are you guys seeing right now that obviously the market from 15 years ago to today were not not the in, low inventory, but as a loan officer, what challenges do you guys see today that are that weren't there 15 years ago? Lorena? So in my case, I see the biggest challenge is the lack of inventory. So it's making all the sellers fight for the same property. And there's, there is a lot of uh, people out there that is very impatient and don't understand that this is a process and they have to be qualified so that they don't default. We're not going to put people in houses that they can't afford. So I think it's just a combination between frustration of the lack of inventory and frustration of getting everything done right away, like 15 years ago that we used to do state loans and we used to close in three days. And used to be an AmeriQuest. Yes. Right. I mean, America was a hell of a company too, man. Yes. So, I mean, that was like, so take me back 15 years ago, Lorraine. I mean, you're at AmeriQuest, which look, okay, no offense, but even my friend Mariano ran AmeriQuest, right? I got that right. But it felt like it was a, like a, like one of those places where it's a dark dungeon and you guys just dialed calls all day long and no breaks at all. Is that what it was like? No, I think it was a great school. It was a combination between outbound calls. So I, I did a hundred calls a day, mm -hmm. but I did also a lot of training and a lot of loans, like big volumes. I think it was just like a perfect experience for me to experience what it was to deal with objections. You gotta remember those were the times 
where we had adjustable loans, we had mm -hmm. high rates, 7%, 8%, and I had to sell products that were really not the greatest, but at that time, the borrowers were not A+, plus, were not perfect. They didn't right. have perfect credit, so it was just a temporary abandoned solution that hopefully they understood that they had to refinance into a better terms when they fixed their situation. Um, and the ones that did, they did refinance and they did get a better product. The ones that didn't, like, of course, they were stuck with the adjustable mortgage with a high rate. Cash, let's come back to you then for a second. I mean, 15 years ago, you come into the business, it's 2006. We're at that pinnacle where you're seeing the top loan officer wherever you may have come in, like they're driving around with BMWs and Bentleys and rolling out big. And you're like this new loan officer, new kid on the block. What did that feel like? You know, uh, it, it was definitely more like, oh, I want to be that person, right? Like, how do I get there? Yeah. And how do I get there fast? Um, so the, by the time I got in, I learned the business the market crashed. So, you know, uh, that first year it was great because you made good money and then you went from making good money to no money, right? So like, how do you survive that? So, uh, and that's when I really got, uh, ended up getting married is when the market crashed, right? So my wife was like, I thought you told oh, me. Time, 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 time. Market crashes, you get married? Yeah. Man, I <laughs> I'm like, uh, I did do well. It's just not happening right now, you know? So, um, but again, you had to overcome those challenges. You had to figure out strategies. You're going to survive. Uh, do you still want to be in this market? Uh, you know, and we made it and we made it strong. And now here we are. But I think today, from two years ago to 15 years back, I feel like every year the market has changed so drastically. What we're doing today, I wouldn't even imagine last year or the year before that, you know. So um, uh, there's challenges with borrowers. There's challenges with sellers. Uh, you know, guidelines change uh, mm -hmm. so rapidly, right? But I think what, what's so important is for us to be alert and uh, be open-minded and willing to learn and uh, take those changes and run with it. And if we have that momentum, you know, uh, uh, we have to jump and, and, and just uh, go for it. So. We have uh, lost Tom, by the way. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> we are on our own without Tom Hobbs. So <laughs> no more, I, no more Ashland, Kentucky jokes for me. Perhaps he can, perhaps he can call in. Uh, hopefully, I can. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I mean, he's gonna. I, uh, we'll keep it on my cell phone, guys. I hate to do this, but we'll just in case he. Uh, yeah, he's just saying his screen is frozen. All right. Anyway, so. Let's get back to our conversation. Now, you guys are 15-year veterans, right? And some of the things that we try to do at Laugh, Lend, and Need, right, is make sure that loan officers who listen in on this conversation can at least get something, right? And because there's a lot of loan officers, I mean, to your point, Cash, that are coming in right now, right when the market potentially could be slowing down. Now, listen, I mean, Barry Habib was on here a week ago. He said there's no slowdown coming. Right. And I tend to agree with what I, what Barry says, just because it's always been the right thing as long as I've been alone in the mortgage business. Right. So you don't disagree with Barry Habib. There's no slowdown coming, but there's obviously a lack of inventory. So how does a new loan officer cash get the attention of a real estate agent to give him a shot? Because they're going up against a guy like you who's got 15 years in the business. You already got a team put together. You know how to get the loans through the system. Versus a new loan officer who's just saying, hey, can you give me the chat? I'll really work hard for you. Yeah, I think um, one strategy that they have to keep in mind is for a new loan officer, they need to be at a company where uh, they can tag team or partner up with an experienced loan officer. You know, uh, when you're selling yourself, sometimes it's important to sell who you work with, that you have a strong support system, you have a team 
who's got your back, who's going to make this happen with you. And, uh, uh, you know, rather than being the new kid on the block who has no experience and, you know, may not have the full guidance uh, or potential of putting a, you know, a clean file together. So I think that really uh, makes someone stand out is when you can go out there and say, hey, uh, my team and I will, you know, put this together and, uh, and get you to the closing table, you know, and that's when you can throw out, we'll close in these many days, you know, we have great communication, we have the support system, uh, trust us and we'll make it happen. Lorena, what about you? I mean, how is somebody competing against you in, in Tampa with their first year in the business and also they're in the column, you know what I mean? And what are they going to do? <laughs> I think that Cash is completely right. And I agree with that. I think having a, a team and a backup system is fundamental. I think that that's going to allow you as a new loan officer to identify if you're working on something good or you're wasting your time and also at people's time and their money because time is money. And then at the end, you need to have a, a, a bank, uh, an employer that is going to back you up because if you have the ability like we do in first option, that you can go talk to your underwriting manager and discuss the scenario and they're going to take it case by case and not put you in a box and just say the client, I think that gives you credibility in the market. And that's going to allow you to go and open the market with some other agents and that creates a reputation where you can get stuff done and it's only because you have the ability to discuss scenarios and then look for solutions and write proper documentation because at the end of the day, it's making sure, as I said, that they can afford the payment. So if you can document correctly everything on the loan, you're going to get a loan approval and they're going to be able to close on their house. So, but, I mean, that, that, that sounds good in, in theory, guys, right? I mean, let's, let's, cause let's, let's take the bullshit out of the stuff, right? It's like, that sounds good for a recording, but really, I mean, I, Go back to when you guys were like 90 days in the business, right? I mean, and, 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 and closing a loan was like the only thing you wanted to do, remember? And no realtors pick up the telephone and they're like, hey, I already got a loan officer. They're really good and cash closes my deals. And Lorena takes me out to dinner at some steak place when the owner's in town in Tampa. I saw those pictures last night. <laughs> <laughs> I got jealous. <laughs> no, I do, I do have a, a suggestion. I do have a suggestion. Please, that's what I want to talk about. So when I left the... Um, when, when I was in a bank and I didn't have any customers myself because all the customers I had were coming through the bank, right? So I have no realtor connections, no nothing. And I just moved back to Tampa. Then what did I do? So what I did is I contacted all the real estate offices. I sent emails. Uh, you have to work. Even if you don't like it, in small, difficult loans, down payment assistance. That's the way that I reach out to a lot of realtors because... Some of them, I had sent a thousand emails and I said, hey, I'm bilingual, I can do this, I can do that. Um, I have this experience, I know all of these. I can talk to the borrowers, I look for solutions. But then at the end of the day, when I sent the down payment assistance, I got an email back saying, okay, now you got my attention. And then that guy allowed me to go for lunch with them and explain the down payment assistance programs. They gave me a shot. It's basically a hook for them to try you. And then after they try you, you did like, five, seven loans that were extremely difficult. Now, hopefully they'll give you some of the good deals that are cleaner and like easier to do. So I think you gotta do your, your homework and your dues. Mm -hmm. So reaching out, so I will say, anybody that is sitting down in an office without doing anything, come on, go out there, go organize meetings, send emails, reach out and then talk about what you can do. What can you be, do different than other agents? 
when I go to real estate offices and I talk about what I have been able to close that nobody has been able to close, that's when I get the realtor that, oh, maybe you can help me with this one. And mm -hmm. then I'm able to save deals when other could never close it. So something I used to do my first year as a loan officer, which was, by the way, just for the record, 1994. I don't know how old you guys were back in 1994. <laughs> but I know Tom was around, but um, um, in 94, I mean, literally what I used to do was I would ask realtors, is there a loan that's been turned down that I could just look at? I wouldn't guarantee them anything, right? So just show me a loan that maybe got turned down the last couple of weeks, you know what I mean? That you thought should be approved. And it was like, finally, it was like asking that kind of question, open up that door to somebody who say, okay, here's this piece of garbage that I'm making 0% commission on. Let's see what you can make for me, right? Because ultimately it's about the realtor making money. It's about the realtor getting one extra deal. Uh, and, and being able to do that was a service that I think not too many loan officers were providing because in 94, especially subprime lending wasn't even a thing, right? It was just like, you had to convince the underwriter over drinks if this was going to work or not. So <laughs> you had to kind of take them off and get them drunk. Tom, how, how are you doing? How's your technical difficulties? Uh, looks like you got a good frozen picture of yourself. That's good. I like that. <laughs> All right, Cash, come back to you. When we're talking about difficult... Uh -huh. All right, Tom, you're there. You hear me, but can you can you talk to us, Tom? I'm going to pause for a second, and let you try to come on in. All right, Tom, I'm going to. I can't hear anybody. Yeah, I'm sorry, brother. We're going to so. move on, okay? All right. So listen, Cash, with the diff, with the difficult deals, I mean, are you saying yes, I'll do them? No, I'm not going to do them. How are you? How how do you deal with difficult deals? You know, difficult deals are my favorite. Really? I will do them. I'll do them because you know what? It, it I mean, you, also get, it's a, you got a lot of units right now. You got a lot of volume. So you still do difficult deals. I will because it's a sense of pride. You know, like if somebody's going around saying, no, uh, you can't qualify, you can't qualify. I'm going to, you know, look at your docs and figure out a strategy for you uh, to see how we can help you qualify. And um, even if it's difficult, you know, my agents trust me. They want me to get the job done. And just because if someone's difficult, I don't want to lose that relationship, uh, especially somebody else who is a newbie trying to learn and willing to go all out uh, to make a deal work. I will still do that. I think I still have that, um, uh, you know, I still have that urge and desire to, uh, to help everyone possible. And uh, regardless of how difficult it is, if it's difficult, you know, I'll ask you, uh, to work with me, you know, you have to be a bit more patient uh, and, you know, we'll work through it, uh, but I'm not going to give up on you. So you're, you're still trying to maintain that sense of hunger at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, absolutely. so Cash, let, let's dive into this a little bit, right? I'm just going to walk through you. You're on this, let's say a rented boat on the Caribbean ocean somewhere off of Mexico, right? <laughs> and you get a text message from a realtor saying, I need you to call me. What do you do? I called. No way. Come on. I was just there two Come weeks on. ago and uh, we were in the middle of the ocean and I had service. <laughs> I had my kids around too, but it didn't stop me. You know what? Because, uh, you know, that's my passion. I, I love to help um, uh, and I'm hungry, you know, I'm hungry to help. And yeah. um, uh, don't take me wrong. I love to spend time with the family and they get time. My kids get time. But, you know, that's my desire and, uh, uh, you know, and that's my hard work. And I don't want to uh, put, uh, I don't want to stop somebody else from dreaming or getting their dreams because, you know, uh, I was on the boat. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, know. in all fairness, I used, to, I used to tell my wife, listen, I got to take this call. But it's because of this call that we're on this vacation. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know I, mean? I felt like a jerk. I mean, especially the good thing was that telephone usage really didn't become big until like late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. So the first few years, I got to avoid that. But we used to have beepers, yeah. and and the realtor would like beep you with the 911. You had to find a payphone to go call that guy right away. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So let, let's let's shift focus a little bit on 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 um, you know the amount of time that we have left here. When you guys are now looking to get your own brand out there, right? Because the branding is, is a real big thing, right? And and with social media and, and all the different platforms, which platform, Lorena, are you? Um, honestly, I do Facebook. Like I've I've done Facebook for a long time, but I don't really do any effort to promote anything. Basically, I'm just myself. And every time I have a closing, of course, I like to be tagged. I like celebrating because it was a lot of work, and that's like the finishing everything and celebrating with the customers. So I love to be tagged. And if they don't tag me, I'll tag myself, even if I'm not in the picture. Mm-hmm. I used to go to all of my closings, but I haven't been able lately. But I love to be tagged on those closings. And I like to give advices, like sincere advices, like don't forget to file your homestead exemption, stuff like that. And I talk about it. Sometimes I will say something funny about something that happened to me, and then people will relate to it. And then and I become friends with most of the realtors, most of the customers that I have. And I don't know if that's good or bad because they'll know everything about my personal life. <laughs> but, but I have a baby. He's adorable. He's not a baby. He's almost five. But like everybody will love him. And then that would generate sympathy from a lot of people that will think that they're like my friends, my close friends. Mm-hmm. There's some realtors I don't really know. And I recognize their faces when I see them and they come hug me and they're like, how's Ashton? And I'm like, oh, good, thank you. You know, it's like, I have no idea. But it's just <laughs> like, it's, it's, I just follow my normal life and then I get a lot of business from there just because you are, um, you are true and you're not imposing anything or like trying to do anything you know so is facebook the only platform you're using so you linkedin instagram so at linkedin i always had it as a connection professional connection and had your resume like all the stuff and like i connect to everybody that i ever work with Mm -hmm. uh, for linkedin i don't do much in linkedin like the other day i posted something i link my survey uh results and I'm getting a lot of traffic and views, but I don't really make any efforts. And Instagram, I just do like personal stuff. And I see a lot of realtors follow me, but I don't follow anybody back. Okay. Cash, what about you now? You're not, you, and other than family pictures, I'm not really seeing a lot of different stuff from you on, on, on Facebook or LinkedIn. Yes. You know what? I am horrible. I keep promising myself that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I go to bed and I wake up. I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. So um, I am very bad about social media. That's something I really want to work on. Um, but I am on Facebook. I am on uh, uh, LinkedIn. My wife and I had a shared Instagram and she kicked me off. Uh, <laughs> she said I was too boring for it. So, uh, you know, so I am going to probably create my own Instagram page because I think that's where all the fun is. So, uh, you know, but definitely something I want to work on. Tom, are you able to hear us? I think we're good now. Oh I hope God. so. This Perfect. is my last Perfect. hurrah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Rock on. Hey, I don't give up. You know, brother, that's good. That's good. So I'm not going to ask you all the questions I've asked Lorena Cash because that'd be useless. But I don't see you at all on social media except maybe on Facebook doing some volleyball pictures or whatever of some teams. Uh, yeah, I'm a big volleyball fan now. And for the record, the University of Kentucky Volleycats are in the national championship Saturday night. 
Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, just real quick, my daughter, I, you know, basketball has always been my sport. And she started in basketball. And in seventh grade, she told me she's quitting basketball to play volleyball. And I was like, okay, a little down. But years later, she's an all-area player the last three years. Uh, hope to play at the college level. She's actually on her way to Knoxville to play for her club volleyball team this weekend. So she does a lot of traveling. Of course, I'm proud of both my daughters. Now, you're we got a little mini me coming up to race. You, you take those Pardon people me? and put them on Facebook, I noticed, with your daughter playing volleyball. Right. Do realtors engage with that? Or they don't even – I don't see any engagement from any of your realtors, right? You don't – not using social media for that. No, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't do it for that reason. But um, all mine's 100% basically referral-based. That's it. And obviously, like Cash said, I got to do better social media-wise too. Now, here's a a fact about Tom Hobbs that you guys don't know about, even the people listening. And I got to share, Tom, I'm sorry. I got to do this, right? We were all informed last week by the Realtor Association of Boyd County. Is that where you're at? Boyd County? I don't know what it was, but yeah. Something like that. Somewhere around here. His office was responsible for 34% of all the closings in Q1. In Boyd County in Kentucky. I think it was for March is what I was For March, talking. sorry. For March. So for 34% of all the transactions were done out of his office. Now that's pretty now, I don't impressive. have that like in writing and sign, but that's what I was told by someone that I trust. But that was an email. I saw the email from the from the Realtor Association. Okay. I didn't tell you. Yeah, you, you forwarded it to us or something. But I mean, it's all, you know, you know and I think uh, they've elaborated, elaborated a little bit on it. It's communication, talking to people. I guarantee you that I have the highest uh, rescore fees in the company, but there's so many things on the credit these days and error that sit there forever. For example, we have a company called GLA Medical Collection Company out of Louisville. I've got a rep there now that I've dealt with for seven years, and many of the people, as you can see, which is absolutely ridiculous, that medical collections hurt clients' credit. They have the misconception, oh, it doesn't hurt my credit. I've literally, literally seen $10 collections hurt somebody's credit 20, 40 points. Right. So they go to the bank or, you know, the bank sees a score. Well, we can't help you. They come to me. Well, let's see here. We're, hey, once you pay this off, let's get this removed. Let's take a 586 to a 662. All right. So, you know, yeah. things like that. Credit Collection USA, I'm calling them out right now. They'll put $1 medical collections on people. Wow. And that's just ridiculous. I mean, this, medical collections should not have that much effect on people's credit. And if they do pay them off, it should be by law that those have to be removed. So, Tom, if I'm a new loan officer and I'm hearing you do say this, right, I mean, what advice would you give a guy in his first 12 months in the mortgage business on how to deal with something like that? Because well, I mean, I would teach them the ropes, but I mean, the thing about it is, you know, in your first 12 months is you really need to learn from other loan officers. Don't get yourself in too deep in situations and think you can be a Superman and get certain deals. You need a, to me, to be a good loan officer, you need to very knowledge, knowledge, be very knowledgeable of the business and what you're doing. And, uh, you know, that's the thing is people don't realize in our profession how difficult it is. It's not like we just sit behind a desk and take applications. To me, we are the biggest part of the whole process. We take the biggest front of it, the biggest responsibility. And a lot of people don't realize what we have to do to get loans done sometimes. So Cash, I mean, come back to you real quick. I mean, you, you, you're obviously, you said you don't back down from challenging loans either, right? Right. I mean, 
how do you take on like when you got credit issues? Do you try to rescore, re-up the scores, or, or look at the credit, analyze the credit report? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's so important to know how to read a credit report and uh, and make sure that your advice is accurate too, right? Because sometimes people will say, "Oh, do this and that, the other," which can negatively impact their credit scores from where they already are. So I think it's very important for us to review uh, and you know and and come up with ideas, suggestions on uh, how to fix someone's credit. Okay. Lorraine. Here's another thing. Yes, Tom. Credit karma. People have the misconception that that credit score. You're going to get a suit today, aren't you? You're just going to name no, everybody. Well, I mean, it's true. There should be a disclaimer on it. Hey, I'm going to give you an example. So I had a lady come in a month ago, and we were looking. I said, get you a secured credit card. I know one that posts, you know, in a reasonable time. Yeah, the interest rate may be high. So she gets it, and then I get a text in the morning. Credit Karma just said my score went down 57 points. I get on there, full TransUnion again, and her score actually went up 33 points. Now you tell me how that can be accurate. Yeah, no, I mean I I don't I don't have an opinion on that. Quite honestly, yeah. I think that when consumers are trying to get the best information for themselves, they have to come to the mortgage professional. Correct. I mean, while I know that it's the age of the internet and people are there is a lot of information accessible. Larry, I come back to you real quick. I mean, how do you deal with the borrower who's already done their research? I'm, I don't know if you encounter those kind of borrowers where they say, here's what I know about myself. What can you give me, right? And then you get information that contradicts that. Have you had that? So, yes, I got the situation. And what I do is I try to present all the different options that they have available that may have not thought about. And one of them, including the rescoring, maybe they're one point away from being 700, which is going to put them in a different tier to give them a better rate or a, a higher debt to income ratio or to qualify for more. So basically you see a different options, maybe down payment assistance, maybe they don't need it, but maybe I will cover the mortgage insurance upfront so that they don't have that monthly payment and it will save them 200 a month. So those are things that maybe they don't have the tools to calculate. So when you show them different routes that you know because you do this for a living, then they appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there is a lot of information out there. And, and I think, you know, when we started this show off, we talked about challenges that are here today that weren't there 15 years ago. I would definitely say as a mortgage professional, having consumers have so much information on Google and, you know, different websites, buyyourfirsthome.com, whatever the website's called, right? It just feels like they print all that out and they give it to you as loan officers saying, look what, you know, I mean, the, every company's offering me this rate and you're like, yeah, but they didn't really look at everything. Cash, I mean, are you seeing that? All the time, all the time. And I think that's something that, you know, again, uh, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of discussion, uh, you know, and they need to, sometimes a person needs to hear from multiple people that what you have is incorrect before they'll actually start believing you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and even with your Asian partners, I think it's, it's important to have that relationship to be like, hey, uh, it's great that you're doing research, but your research may not always be accurate. And this is the reason why. And you know, and it's um, I, I think a lot more clients may be open to it now to be like, you know, with credit karma versus the credit score, or uh, down payment assistance versus no down payment assistance. You know, I think uh, people are open to you know listening. They may not appreciate what you have to say, but at the end of the day, uh, the matter is, you know, we'll get the job done, and they have to trust us for it. Yeah, Tom. Let me let me ask you a question. I mean, your career probably you you you've been about twenty three years, right? Yes, sir. So, how did you deal early on with with negativity and adversity? I mean, you must have had some challenges, right, in the beginning. 
Well, when you start out, when you cut yourself into subprime, you always have those. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. But one thing with me, when I got into subprime, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the business. I just saw an ad in the paper and I called the guy every week for seven weeks and he finally gave me an interview. So I would quit calling him <laughs> and that's how I got in, into the business. But you know, well, we all know about subprime. We can talk about that all day, but see, I was lucky enough where I started doing FHA when everybody was doing subprime. So I was doing 520 FHA deals like that. Nobody else really was around here doing it. But when subprime got out, of course, everybody went on, to the FHA side of things because they had to. But, you know, subprime A will give you a 327, give you a five-year prepay and charge you 15000 in closing costs. I mean, no wonder things went crazy. So let me ask you a question. Uh, what made you go to FHA when the rest of us were doing subprime? Because, number one, it was a fixed rate. That was a big thing. Okay. There was no prepayment penalty. Okay. The payments were lower. And it was the right thing to do for a bar. Hmm. Just like if a bar comes in... They're like, I want to get an FHA loan. They've done their research. Well, if I can take them conventional, I'm going to take them conventional. I'm not going to say, well, we'll put you in FHA and you can refinance two or three years later. Right. You want to put people in the best rate you can now because, quite frankly, they probably are not going to have to refinance ever again with the way the rates are right now. Good point. You know, point. They're just like people that go with an adjustable rate right now for a five-year. Why? Look where the rates are right now. You yeah, know, yeah. So, so Lorena, I mean, Lorena, we'll go back to Lorena real quick. Adversity in your first couple of years in the mortgage business, right? Because you came in about 2006, and just like cash, also the mortgage implodes in 2008. How did you deal with that? How so, you at that? the beginning, it was um, it's exactly what Cash said. Yeah, you go in, it's a boom. You're like doing. You're a rock star. You're number one. Your branch is number one, and then all of a sudden, boom, everything got way right everything everything goes away so the adversity to deal in the first place i think it was just realizing that that nothing is secure like first of all i was angry that i worked myself so hard and i got burnt out because mm -hmm. i worked like from nine to nine from monday to saturday and i really didn't have a personal life and then when i lost it all i said never again i'm gonna have balance i'm gonna have family time so first of all to me it was a, something to ground me to understand what is important in life Number one, number two, but then you realize nothing is forever and you don't need like you because you start losing sense of things when 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 you lose um, perspective on things like they will tell me he makes 25,000 and that would be like a month or a year because you, you really don't know, you know, like, right. so to me it was like perfect to realize the importance of life and the ground me and like, it's like a humble, really humble experience, but it shows you, it shows you that you can start from zero that you can start all over again. You can even change professions if you want, because I did. I did one year, I went to work for politics and I came back to the mortgage business, but that was great for me, great connections. So challenges, you, like you face a lot of challenges. In this business, you're gonna face a lot of stress every day. I take it personal because most of my borrowers are like family to me. So I try to not let that affect me too much when I have to let go alone because because of something that happened and it's out of your control. But most of the situations you just carry with everything because you just want to get it closed. So when I close 10 loans and all of a sudden I feel this weight out of my shoulders, but then you got to start over again. So mm -hmm. I just think you got to have balance and you got to have perspective of what's going on and do as much as you can 
without burning yourself, you know? Yeah. I was told by a boss one time that in the mortgage business, we have the shortest celebration ever. You know what I mean? It, it starts on the end of the month. And then all of a sudden it's, it's the first of the month of the next day. So you only like have maybe six hours to celebrate. <laughs> and then you're at zero the next day. So I would say two days. <laughs> you're clear to close and then closing date. <laughs> <laughs> so Cash, come back to you. I mean, when you're a talent and you're dealing with adversity, I mean, what does Cash do to de-stress himself when you're not like, I mean, what, I mean, because obviously we all have moments, right? Absolutely. What is your go-to thing that you got to do to take the stress out? You know what? I think for me, when I leave the office, I want to go home. I want to go to my kids. I want to go to my family and just relax, spend time with my kids. The smiles on their faces you know, uh, it sounds cliche, but makes my world go around. You know, oh. that's all I care to see. If they're happy, I'm happy. Uh, whatever challenges I have, I can leave at the door and I'll pick it up tomorrow. But to de-stress myself, I just want to be with my family, um, have a good meal. Uh, I love to eat and uh, especially desserts. So, uh, <laughs> man, after my heart, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's how I de-stress. All right, Tom, I mean, is there a de-stressing thing that you do out there? I don't know if I could say that on air. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, but there, that comes back, and that. that's what I'm challenging with now. I'm very competitive and, uh, you know, and Lakin tells me a lot, hey, dad, you need to slow down. And that's some things that I'm going to have to do because I do know there's more important things in this. But, you know, I eat, sleep, and drink it, and that's, that's a challenge that, should be a challenge, but, you know, being able to manage my time better, not all work, work, work. Well, one of the things you that know, I'm in Ashland, Kentucky, and nobody knows where that's at. So they don't know how I do that many loans because I work 24 <laughs> seven. Well, because of you, I know where Ashland, Kentucky is now. Trust me, man. Trust I'm me. from Westwood, Kentucky, just for the record. All right. I don't know where that is yet, but we'll figure it out. A little uh, small place in Ashland. The one thing I've learned about Lorena, okay, which is because of her social media, one of the things that she does to de-stress is she plays her guitar and sings. Lorena, is that accurate? I mean, is, am, I, am I wrong or right? I mean, yes, I like it. I like it. So you like singing, right? I think that's what that's what you really like. I think all my family does. <laughs> I think she should sing us a little oh, tune. Nice. I, I brought my little guitar in for all her. All right. So I figured, I don't know the songs that you play, you know what I mean? But... Nice. Did you make a mortgage song? Uh, that's, that would be like a blues. You are here too close. <laughs> that's what you all should do. You all can be a duo. That'd be good. Well, I'm thinking maybe Lorena, I don't know if you can sing right now. Do you any songs you want to sing? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. good. <laughs> I thought I would try it out, but I don't know. Maybe I should have prepared you ahead of time. I need my guitar, yes. <laughs> I think what happens with, with, with all of us in the business is we need to have that de-stressing thing. That was really what I wanted to end the show on. You know what I mean? Is there has to be a moment of relaxation where we put all these numbers away and we really focus Quality on- Quality time, yeah, to do what you enjoy, yes. Yeah, because otherwise, what's the point of working, right? I mean, you, you, I see so many people and, and, I, and I know I'm getting older and older and I see more and more people my age and they're not happy. And can I say something? Hmm? It is sometimes- Sometimes I feel in our field, our profession is one of the most abused. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we have to be working alert during business hours, because that's the bank hours. 
We have to be able to get in touch with underwriters, with processors, banking hours, but we also have to be available for our partners on the weekend. So like, I feel like really nobody respects our time. We have like, we are a hundred percent on, and I mean, that's okay. But if you don't establish your own limits, then everybody's going to control your schedule. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would go home still not, not as much today, but I would, because I think we never leave our homes anymore now, but <laughs> I'm always home. Um, but in the old days, I'd get home and I didn't want to talk because I'd been talking for 14 hours nonstop, right? And I just want to stare at the TV screen or whatever, right? And it's, so I had to learn that I had to have time for my partner, my, my wife, you know what I mean? And make that time available. It's so important to do that. Uh, and to Cash's point, I mean, with the kids, I think, you know what I mean? Is, is really, that's where it all begins and ends. So I think uh, that, you know my baby calls everybody client. That tells you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the reality is, is is I think when I was really thinking about this panel because you guys are top producers, right? It's not like you guys are doing five six units a month. I mean you guys are, your numbers are 15, 20 units plus units every month, which is just phenomenal, man. I mean is so you can still see that as top loan officers you guys are still trying to create that space where you and your family or whoever it is, your loved ones, significant others are still important. And that's really what, what this whole thing's about. Because otherwise, what's the point of being the top of the game if you can't enjoy that other stuff? Exactly, exactly. So I think this is a good way to end the show. Tom, unless you have something else you want to add, I mean, you want to talk about that illegal stuff you're doing in Kentucky that we still have. Oh, got out Come of on. Here. I just, I appreciate, I mean, been here four months. It's been a joy. Great people. Uh, had a great time in Atlanta. Look forward to meeting these two and maybe learning some things off them. Yeah, that's one thing you're always learning. It doesn't matter how long you've been in a business. You're always learning. I'm, I'm grateful for what God's provided me and my family. So uh, a very happy man when it comes to the mortgage business. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys taking the time out. I know it's a busy, busy time right now. Uh, and uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And that's it for us. Thank you and have a good day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Laugh, Lend and Eat, the podcast. Once again, thank you to our sponsors, First Option Mortgage and One Good One Staffing Services. We have enjoyed all the comments we have been receiving. Please keep them coming. To be notified of any updates, Please be sure to subscribe to Laugh, Lend and Eat on the listening platform of your choice. Thank you for listening and have a great day.